This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. He was already out of Afghanistan, but he went back to get his family. So he flew there commercially and had a flight out that was a commercial flight. Unfortunately, that commercial flight was canceled before he was able to get his family out. The Taliban and the their Afghan guards at the airport prevented them from going in. So what happened then? They're hiding in Kabul. The Afghan Diaries, coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. This story is not from someone trying to escape from Afghanistan, but someone who's trying to help others get out of Afghanistan. My name is uh, Douglas Dreyer, and uh, I'm just an ordinary American citizen that... uh, believes in uh, doing the right thing. So how, it's my understanding that you're doing some work to help some some Afghan nationals uh, settle and get families here to the, to the U.S. How did you get connected with them? Uh, I met uh, one of the brothers uh, about five years ago at the uh, store he worked at. And uh, to get a military discount, I showed him my retired ID. And he uh, um, basically said, oh, I used to work for the DOD also. And from his accent, I could tell he was not a Native American. We got to talking and he was an interesting person, a very kind and nice person. So I invited him to uh, talk at my Rotary Club in uh, Falls Church. And uh, he agreed. And I helped him uh, work out a PowerPoint presentation. And he gave a talk at the Rotary Club uh, during one meeting. And he also gave a talk at the uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology uh, Interact Club. Mm-hmm. And he really opened up with the uh, high school students. And he had a very uh, compelling and interesting story about his uh, work in Afghanistan for uh, supporting our troops. So needless to say, you got to know him. He introduced you to other family members, I, I'm assuming. And um, yes. at some point, you got involved in trying to help them help other family members come to the U.S. Is that right? Correct. Um, I knew he was uh, living in the States. And I also reached out when things started happening in Kabul. And he mentioned that his wife and his brother's wife and brother's two children were still stuck in Kabul. So I said, you know, how can I help you? And it it was very upsetting to me that uh, they were trying basically by themselves 
and basically trying to do everything over a cell phone to uh, rescue their families. How were you able to help? What did you do to help? Uh, simple things. Uh, you know, I got them an iPad. He was hoping to get his uh, American passport because he's an American citizen now and go over there and, you know, pull his family and his brother's family out. Um, so I got him an iPad because I figured if he went over there, he'd need something light and something that he could destroy if things really went bad. But he never got his passport in time. It didn't show up until uh, last week. Uh, this is after uh, the original passport was sent to him uh, with the uh, misspelled name, even though the name was spelled correctly on the uh, address label. So how did the situation to get his brother's family and his family out of Afghanistan, how did that go? Because we know the U.S. military has left now and the evacuation flights have stopped. This is the 1st of September, so that's over. So um, how did how, where does that stand? Uh, both wives, uh, both kids, and uh, a younger brother who wants to leave because of his work in Afghanistan. Uh, plus, he's also needed to help uh, escort the uh, wives out of uh, Afghanistan because they can't read. And if they go to the airport by themselves, one, the Taliban wouldn't let them. Uh, they would need a male uh, relative escorting them. And uh, two, if they see a sign that says life one way and death the other way, they wouldn't be able to read it. So uh, uh, right now they're stuck in Kabul. You've been putting out some updates, and um, I've interviewed uh, the two brothers that you talked about uh, here, and they've been on this program before. Um, we don't identify them except uh, by anything except N and R. And um, but you've been you've been updating people in your circle about what's going on with them. And um, there was something in the third update that you sent, which was just the other day. Uh, I think it was the 30th, may have been the, the 31st of August, that was particularly striking to me about an effort that someone went through to try to get family members out, and it resulted in a, a very difficult situ situation. I won't say tragic because there's still hope, but the situation that had got this individual in is a difficult situation, but that just shows how important getting family out of Afghanistan is. So would you tell us that story? Yes. And again, this is third hand. Um, uh, one of the brothers, wives, sisters, husband uh, was again uh, working for the U.S. government and uh, was able to uh, come to the States. And he has a green card and he was living down in Virginia uh, and he had a passport and wanted to uh, again, get his family out because they're at risk because of his work. Um, so he flew there commercially and had a flight out that was a commercial flight. Unfortunately, that commercial flight was canceled before he was able to get his family out. And uh, when he tried to get to uh, the uh, um, airport with his family, uh, the Taliban and the uh, um, guards, the U.S. guards or their Afghan guards at the airport prevented them from going in. So what happened then? They're hiding in Kabul 
amongst probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that work for uh, both the U.S. government and the Afghan government or NGOs that are at risk uh, of reprisal from the Taliban. And the biggest issue is the Taliban government may say something and the Taliban government, once it declares itself, may say this is what we're going to do. But the low level Taliban fighter may not get that message. So their lives are in great danger. I've heard as well stories about the fact or about the 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 allegation that some of those members of the Taliban may get the message, but may not want to go along with the message uh, and sort of revert back to what it is that they were doing back in the 90s. Um, have you heard stories about that, too? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, basically, from the news, uh, one that really uh, got to me was the uh, Afghan folk singer that was dragged out of his house and shot uh, by supposedly the Taliban. Um, you know, was it the Taliban? Was it ISIS-K infiltrating the Taliban? There's going to be finger pointing. And, you know, the bottom line is this person, this singer, an artist, something that makes our lives better is now gone for no other reason than he believed in music. Mr. Dreyer, I mean, it just strikes me at this point that this is not a situation that's going to be resolved anytime soon. Um, it's not clear yet that the Taliban will be successful in running this country. You know, they control it, yes. But, you know, in order to run a country, you have to do other things, which include provide services and, um, you know, security for people. And it's not clear that the Taliban can do either. Um, the international community is said to be working or in discussions with them, but the Taliban is an organization that's worked with terrorist groups in the past and certainly uh, harbored terror groups. And in fact, Al-Qaeda, which was the reason the U.S. military ended up there anyway. Um, and, and so many of these people started working with the U.S. military. So what sense do you get from your Afghan friends about how strong the Taliban is or how strong the resistance is or if there is any? I don't think they're aware of any resistance uh, per se at this point in time. Um, they're, they're very tired and very, needless to say, emotionally upset uh, about the whole situation. Uh, can the Taliban govern? Uh, I don't think they can even control their soldiers. Uh, one of the news reports said that the Taliban said that uh, they'll respect women's rights but women should stay at home until they can educate their troops. And, you know, I don't think they can do that in a day or a week or a year. It's going to take a generation. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we had a good start on, you know, teaching some democratic principles and principles of uh, equal treatment under the law. Uh, unfortunately, uh, all that has been uh, um, tossed aside. 
What are your friends telling you about um, Afghans, the Afghan leadership that left or the re- the remnants of that? Is there anything like that there? Uh, they haven't said much about the leadership. And again, you know, they're not into politics. Uh, they don't want uh, to even start finger pointing uh, I'm sure, you know, there's yeah, no. going to be armchair historians you know, that are going to point fingers this way and that. Yeah, no, and, I'm not talking about that part of it. I'm just talking about, have there been any sightings of any of these folks? Because a lot of them just disappeared. Uh, what, happened, what happened to them is a better, better question, I suppose. They mentioned that one person, you know, this, uh, I believe he was uh, um, a police officer or something, you know, in the police force, a high-ranking member was in a Taliban jail. Uh, but uh, for that specific question, that's the only, you know, quote unquote, third hand uh, item that I heard of. Mm. So what now for these uh, friends of yours and others that, you know? Well, I reached out to my neighbors. Uh, a lot of them came back with suggestions. A lot of them came back with some good points of contact. Uh, um, one of them uh, is a lawyer that works for a law for- firm that uh, has agreed to take the uh, immigration cases of these uh, uh, wives and kids and the brother uh, and as a pro bono uh, basis, uh, help them get to the United States, get the visa. Because even if they evacuate to, let's say, a third country, uh, the third country is not going to want to let them stay there. And some third countries are even you know, pushing Afghans back across the border, even though the Afghans are claiming, you know, asking for asylum. But this particular country hasn't signed any uh, UN documents uh, agreeing to that. So there's there's a lot of good going on. Uh, you know, a lot of people have contacted me, friends that uh, I've reached out to. Uh, come back with uh, saying, hey, you know, I have a friend who has a friend who has people stuck in Afghanistan. How can you help? Do you have any you know, contacts? And I send them information that I get and it goes back and forth. So some good information is, is happening. But uh, uh, I'd like to see uh, the U.S. government do more. I'd like to see the Department of State do more and uh, be proactive on this and, you know, say, OK, we're going to be the central clearinghouse of getting all these people out of Afghanistan. And, you know, this is how you go about doing it. So they come here to the U.S. The folks, these your friends that came here. Um, it's a challenge for anybody coming from another country, uh, another ethnic background coming to America, because, you know, we've got our own issues here. Uh, as you're well aware of, and some of that was on display on January 6th, and, you know, there's been a lot of that. What are some of the challenges that your friends face here and, you know, folks uh, that uh, are are coming from Afghanistan? What are some of the challenges that they face when they come here? It's the story of America with immigrants coming from all over the world. Uh, You know, uh, my grandparents came here. Uh, Again, you know, they had nothing a um, couple of dollars in their pocket, and uh, they worked hard. And, you know, that's 
part of the success of America is that you know, people come from overseas, whether they have nothing but the clothes on their back or if they have you know, some money in their pocket. They work hard. They come up with ideas and they enrich not only uh, themselves, but our nation, uh, both culturally, uh, monetarily, uh, globally. Uh, the whole reason uh, the U.S. is such a superpower is the fact that we've been able to take these immigrants and make them part of America, even as they keep part of their cultural identity. Well, that's the that's not necessarily the challenge. That's the that's what they we, we, we expect to happen. But I'm talking about have your friends run into any challenges and people that don't want them to be successful and people that have made life difficult and are considering just the way things have been going in this country racially for the last few years. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. Understand, they haven't mentioned that to me because their focus is on their wives. I have a friend who was born in this country. His parents came from China in 1948 when the communists took over. And he's worried about his daughters uh, with this animosity that's going on in this country. And, you know, he's an American, you know, mm-hmm. he used to come out to our house to have hamburgers because he liked hamburgers. Uh, so it's a shame that, well, it goes back to, I think a greater problem that we're seeing in this country, as you pointed out, there's there's the issue of race where race shouldn't be even a discussion item. Mm -hmm. Okay, who cares? All right. Get over it. The problem is, is too many people make it an issue. Yeah. And too many people just don't realize that, hey, I can do so much by myself. But if I help somebody and then they help me, we can do more together. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I don't care, you know, if he's this religion or that religion or his skin color is lighter than mine or darker than mine or, you know, where he came from. It doesn't make a difference. All I care is how they act. And these two brothers, as one put it, if I see somebody laying in a ditch I would go and help them. I would risk my life. I'd risk my blood to help them because that's the human thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we need to do the human thing and take care of one another. It's not that hard. And, you know, it's like the folks down in New Orleans. Uh, we can help them from here. Technology is wonderful. We can send supplies there. We can have food drives. We can send a truck full of water there or whatever. You know, the bottom line is we can't stand idle by. We have to take an active part in making our world better. Yeah. That's the key. Well, congratulations. You've done that. And uh, thank you for sharing your stories with us. Um, I mean, you have absolutely nailed it. Uh, The story about the ditch. I mean, the, the story that goes, there's no greater love. You know, and I'm sure you know that story. JJ, can I finish with a quote from Roman Kent? Uh, I put it in one of my updates. Sure. Uh, He was a Holocaust survivor of Auschwitz. And this quote stuck with me. He said, I believe in the goodness of men. I judge people not by their religion, 
but by who they are and how they act. And if we speak about religions, I would like to add one more to the Ten Commandments. The Eleventh Commandment should be, when you see evil, do something. Most evil things happen when people are bystanders, when they do nothing. And then evil can prevail, even if it's done by a small group of people. The righteous are the moral example of what could have been done, but what the humankind failed to do. I see evil all over the world, even in this country. And I want people to do something. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm sure the people that hear this will hear the call, and I'm hopeful that they will heed it. I'm going to end by asking you one final question about uh, Afghanistan. What is your message to the folks there that will hear this? You are not forgotten, and a lot of people are working hard to get you here to safety. That was Douglas Dreyer, who describes himself as an ordinary American citizen trying to do the right thing. We thank you, Mr. Dreyer. If you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast. And if interested, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And you can sign up for our newsletter if you want more national security news. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL, some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, trending topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life, former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.